GHC, this is Samantha coming to you again with another Leadership Series episode. Today, I have a most fabulous guest. I asked for her bio, and she replied to me with a humble librarian winky face. So I will introduce her as a humble librarian. But not only that, she's also experienced... Um, with a demonstrated history of working in education management and library industry. She's got a strong education and professional skill in data management, educational technology, public speaking, grant writing, customer service. How could she say that she doesn't have anything to tell me in an <laughs> introduction? She's the advisor and the giver of life to the book club on the Cartersville campus. And she's a person you just want to stop by the Cartersville campus library just to say hello, but you probably shouldn't because she's always busy. Uh, welcome, Jessica Osborne. You are too sweet. Thank you for having me. That's what happens when I ask for a bio and you don't get one. <laughs> I make up my own. But all those things, in reality, all those things I just had completely tripped. Yeah. And I appreciate your time and coming over here. Y'all, she drove to the Rome campus, to the Mike Center um, from Cartersville just to do this for me. Anything for Samantha. Oh, anything. Anything. Mm-hmm. She has um, invested some time in me and I've spent some time... Uh, I'm a very science girl. All my listeners know this by now because I've said it. I'm very much into science. This is very much out of my element. Uh, the library very much out of my element until recently when I joined forces with Jessica for the book club. I was looking for something to help me decompress from like the everyday science stuff. And she sent out a, an email maybe that said, hey, we're going to do a book club. And I was like, okay, I'm in. I don't even care what it is. Um, and I, it's like a home for me now. Like, I love it. It's yeah. so much fun. I feel like like the library's larger mission is always service, period, full stop. But definitely one that lives right beside that is literacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we think of literacy as something that, you know, you offer to small kids, laps it, you're teaching them about words, how books are oriented, things like that. But literacy is so much more. And so I feel like my mission at GHC in terms of literacy is to recruit every science and nursing student <laughs> I possibly can, because I think that um, it gets lost, the fact that you can enjoy reading, mm-hmm. and it helps build your literacy, mm-hmm. the more fluent you become, and the quicker you read, and then that translates over to your study. For sure. Yeah. You're definitely a reading mentor for me. <laughs> you know that when I came to you, I was like, I'm reading science books. Like I, I read a lot of psychology, not not like psychological thrillers, but like, uh, you know, science based psychology stuff, uh, DNA stuff. Like I, I read biographies, autobiographies about people involved in science. I enjoy reading it. And uh, and so let's see, the first book I made you read was Cast, which was. was super heavy. And then we automatically did like a 360 or 180. And then you had to read a fluffy romance. I did read a fluffy romance. And I'm just going to go on record right now in front of everybody. And that fluffy romance is one book. And it has nine in the series. I think it's nine. I've now read some of them. (laughs) So whatever you're doing is working. You're recruiting. And I'm recruiting also. We have have a couple of new new faces that we'll see hopefully at the Zoom meeting that's coming up. We do online Zoom meetings. we do face-to-face meetings and Zoom meetings. We're trying to shake it up. Welcome to 2021. Right. Okay. So uh, with that being said, let's just start at the very beginning. Um, how did you end up as a librarian in a leadership role in the library? So I I have had a relationship with a library my entire life. From the time I was 
a tiny kid um, through undergrad and grad school, of course, and then into my professional life. I didn't always want to be a librarian, <laughs> but I think I came to terms with what the library meant to me um, pretty early on. And once I did that, it was clear that that was going to be my path. Um, so that's sort of my love story with libraries, you know, from patron to scholar and, you know, student to um, librarian. And um, it, it, it served me well, for sure. Um, so in terms of schooling, I thought I was going to be, um, I mean, like every kid has lots of, you know, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Yeah. Well, like many librarians, you're going to find, <laughs> I was an English major, mm -hmm. um, and I did that and did a little bit of graduate work in that. And, um, life just took me on its path and mm -hmm. I ended up with a kid and, um, ended up at the University of South Carolina and I was teaching too. I have to tell you something. Yeah. I don't want to interrupt. I was just in Columbia, South Carolina yeah. last weekend on, I was not on campus, but through campus. Cause that's all there is. Uh -huh. there. Yeah. So it's really nice. Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Not to interrupt. Yeah. Go ahead. My yeah. Bad. They're playing UGA this weekend. So, hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> so, um, anyways, um, so I ended up working on my master's in library science there and finishing up there. Um, and that's my education story. I am currently working on my MBA slash master's in public administration at Kennesaw. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, I that's just actually awesome. started that. Um, it's been fun. So um, I've had a number of different leadership roles. And my story is a little different than a lot of librarians will come in contact with. Um, I told you that I love education, love literacy, probably picked that up. So that was the common thread that sort of kept me through all of my libraries. Um, so a lot of librarians will start out in academic librarianship, you know, colleges, and they'll just stay there forever. Mm -hmm. um, or they might start out in public libraries and stay there forever. Mm -hmm. But I've done academic, I've done public, and I've done school media. Mm -hmm. So I've seen many of those, and I've managed many of those. Um, so that's a little different than the common, you know, the yeah. common story. Um, and I feel like that experience enriches my management style so mm -hmm. much more because just like if you work your entire life in one business sect um you're not you're you're not seeing the entire picture right mm -hmm. um as if you work in several different businesses or if you're exposed to several several different ideas and management styles and i feel fortunate to have had those experiences mm -hmm. that are similar and um build on that and right. help me inform my management style so, right yeah let me ask you a question. Smiley out. It's yeah. Gonna, it's easy. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going to tell you mine once you tell me yours. Okay. I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Okay. What, what, what is the book um, from your childhood? And I'm not talking about picture book. The chapter book that sticks out in your mind that really sparked your reading. You're like, when you finished it, you're like, I want to read another book. Gosh, this is actually so hard. Um, I have a bunch of <laughs> I'm going to give you two. I'm going to give you two. So give me two. Okay. So, um... I'm trying to think of like my first book, probably my first book that I really connected with. And this is so sad was Old Yeller. It, well, and oddly enough, it is very sad. 
I, I don't know why um, that. And then um, we had a whole poetry segment in fourth and fifth grade that really turned me on to spoken word, mm-hmm. which also, so I became an eclectic reader early on. And I was like, oh, I really love poetry. So I was going and checking out Updike, like as a middle schooler, wow. as much as I could read and like, Shakespeare and trying to figure out his sonnets and like all of these different people. And um, so anyways, my reading story is a little different. That's definitely where it started. Um, and then strangely, it pivoted to John Grisham. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you I've know, read a lot of John Grisham. And you probably don't know that about me because when I first came to you, I didn't read much. That's true. But I've read a lot that's of true. just all old stuff. Though. All, all, everything they made a movie out of. Y'all go check out the movies, read the books first. They're always better. Um, but yeah, I've, I've read them. But I was the weirdo middle schooler, like, you know, hulking around, like, books, as many books as I could. And, look, and look how cool you are now. I know. I know. It's wow. another version of That's weird here. <laughs> so, so I will give you mine. Okay, I'm not near as cool as you are. Oh, yeah, you are. Oh, please. My first one, and I wish I knew the authors because I don't it's been, you know, a lot of years. Um, the Boxcar Children. Oh, yeah. Um, Is that Gersten? I don't know. You're better at it than I am. But I'll continue to carry on the conversation okay, while you go Google. Because I always encourage the listeners to Google. If you guys don't know Old Yeller, if you don't know Box Car Children, these are these are older books. Um, and they're they're not really um, collegiate level. They're easier, easier to read, like middle school level. But still, even today, I own a copy of the Box Car Children. And when I feel like it, I sit down and read it. It takes me two days. It's not, you know. It's just one of those things, like, who doesn't want to live in a boxcar with their brother and their sister eating bread? And then that's basically what it boiled down to. Okay, so I have another one. Okay. It's a series. This this going to tell you how old I am. It is The Babysitter's Club. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I read some of it. I read a lot of them. Now, they're all the old ones, like, you know, one yeah. through 15 or something. And I think there's probably 127 of them now. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but my, I, Which leads me into my niece is an avid reader she's seven and you cannot turn a corner without seeing her with a book so it's really cool to hear you talk about um to hear you talk about being young and being hungry for literacy because this child i'm telling you i her mother is an avid reader my sister she's an avid reader reader and um but she's she's always with a book in her hand my my seven-year-old niece so i can foresee her possibly being a librarian one day and that modeling is so important Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, being a parent, modeling for your child that reading is a value. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What? Um, when you were young, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like, oh gosh. Was it always? It wasn't always a librarian, obviously, right? So um, early on, it yeah. was a solid gold dancer. <laughs> yes. That's what I was hoping you would say. How to do it? What you pointed in it? Yes. Um, yeah. And then that pivoted during my John Grisham years, you know, was mm-hmm. a sixth grader hungry for the John Grisham knowledge um, to being an attorney. Right. Um, and so I was involved in debate, mock trial in high school, and, you know, that was my interest. So. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I like to box her children and the babysitter's club. <laughs> I aspired to babysit. And then my mother had my sister when I was 11, and the next grandchild came along when I was 10. And so I was just hungry for babysitting. I mean, it worked. That's what I did when I was 12. There you go. It is what it is. So Warner. That's the office. Warner. Warner. Box children. Gertrude Warner. Gertrude Warner. I'm telling you, if, if you've missed out on this, because I know most of you guys are young, if you've missed out on it, 
even though it's a middle school, middle school grade book, you should definitely read it. I still think it's good. It is good. So the reason that, the reason you're here today is talk about organization. And we did have a conversation off air about organization. Um, and I think we will tackle this this um, this outline that I've written out. I, I wrote you an outline since yeah. a couple of days ago. We'll just tackle it from kind of both angles. Okay. We're going to talk about uh, the organizational style of leadership mm-hmm. along with the organization that goes with that and like the aspect of organization and why it's important. Um, so when when I say organizational style leadership, what what tell me the definition for someone who might not know that. So organizational leadership is a style of management and it deals with looking at your group and it's rooted in psychology. So you look at your group, you find out um, their backgrounds and what motivates them and you work within those confines to make everybody um, realize the vision of of the end goal, the mission that you're you're trying, whatever you're trying to achieve. So it it really takes into account people's backgrounds and their philosophies about life and all of those things so that they have buy-in into whatever you're trying to accomplish. Um, And you as the leader are helping facilitate this and move them along towards that. That makes sense. Yeah. So if we're gonna break it down into an aspect of leadership, um, why is organization an important leadership skill within organizational style leadership? So I think that, um, so a part of this, right, I, organizational leadership, um, like I said, is based in psychology, also sociology. So you're looking at the group as a team and you're trying to understand what each player offers and how they're going to interact with the other players So how they're going to grow with the other players, how they're going to help facilitate the the vision with the other players, carry one another um, in order to realize that goal, along with some other things as well. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're organizing people, tasks, and doing that, you you have um, a deeper understanding, you have to look for a deeper understanding of the overall vision. Um, so that you can usher them through the steps of the goal, right? So there's an organization to that as well as organizing the people. Um, because sometimes, you know, they're people and they're, right. you know, you're choosing carefully, hopefully, right. for that team because, right. you know, you want them to work in concert with one another um, or you're growing them in that direction. And we want everybody to have the same common goal. Yeah. Mindset. And, and yeah. the best case scenario is that everybody buys into that goal, right? right? They make it their own. And in doing that, like, you have a broader range of success. You can do more things. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So when I say the word organized, uh-huh. as in the <laughs> aspects, not necessarily the style, when I say the word organized, what pops in your head first? I have one that you got <laughs> Um, I mean, like I'm a librarian, so I think about the ways that we structure our collections. Um, I think about, you know, the Library of Congress and our subject headings. I think about how we um, organize with the Dewey Decimal System. It's all subject-based. So I'm going to interrupt, not to interrupt, but I'm going to. (laughs) Um, For people out there who are younger, the Dewey Decimal System, if you don't understand what it is, in every episode, I always give somebody something to Google, Google that. Yeah. Google the Dewey Decimal System. That's how I grew up in the library. That's how most of the people I know grew up in the library. 
And unfortunately, the younger generation doesn't really have that anymore, do they? Well, actually, most public libraries use the Dewey Decimal System. Okay. Um, and many, um, there's a, a movement to genreify um, collections within most public schools. And what that allows is like, if you're looking for a book, then you're looking in the mystery section and all the mystery books are together. Whereas like, that wouldn't be the case right. in most public libraries. Right. So um, they may or may not have come in contact with the well, If you have it, Google Sorry. it. You can have some history, some, some library history. Uh, yeah, well, that's okay. Dewey is also uh, an interesting and a little bit icky character, so. Really? Okay, so I need to be yeah, the, the Dewey person. Yeah. Okay, I'll do it. Um, I'll report back. Okay. At the, at the book club meeting, I'll have at least a sentence. Sounds good. One sentence. Okay. That's all I can commit to. Um, so for me, when I hear the word organized, you're going to probably want to slut me after this one. But I think of when I was 14 and my mother wanted me to clean out my closet. That's exactly where my head goes. It feels like a dread. Um, and now, now, for me, for me, but when I was younger, now that I'm older, I'm overly organized. So I think there's a psychology to this too, I bet, because so if I'm super irritated or, um, first of all, I can't work in a space that's too cluttered. Right. I've seen your desk. Well, my desk right now is not. No, but your desk is always clean. But it's not right now. (laughs) You're not there. (laughs) (laughs) But um, so if if I come into work and like, or even my house and like, I'm upset about something, that's the first thing I do. My husband knows that if it's important, you better put it away right. or I'm going to throw it away or put it away myself and right. never see it again. I'm one of those people who believe, yeah, I believe that um, now, in, in, you know, in my mid forties, yeah. not, not in my 20 year old previous self, yeah. but now in my mid forties, that everything has a place. Yeah. You take it from that place, you utilize that thing and you put it back. Right. That's that's how I see organization now. Yeah. Um, and when I was fourteen, it, organization was a chore. Right. And yeah. I wasn't always this person either. I yeah. keep growing too. We talked a little about that earlier. Yeah. Right? What what comes with being a little what, older? Yeah. There's a blessing in yeah. knowing yourself. There is. Hey, I'm I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm 45 years old. I'm a you know senior, getting ready to graduate with my bachelor's, and uh, I have no shame. No shame. And. You know, I don't know. I don't know where I would be if I wasn't organized. There's no way I couldn't pull off these uh, honors projects. Yeah, I couldn't. I mean, I, I just couldn't have done most of the things that I. I oh, I've seen done. you work. You're super organized. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's almost good. to a fault. It's almost <laughs> to a fault. So that's. Fine. Um, is do you believe that organization, the actual aspect of it, is different for leaders than it is for non-leaders? So I think your task with that overarching, like I talked about with organizational leadership, I think you're tasked with more because you have to see more of the big picture um, and understand and move people towards a goal um, and get them to buy into the goal, which is the big piece. Um, So yeah, it is different. You have to have more of an understanding of all the players and um, be organized about how you think you're going to move them towards that. so yeah, there is more to it. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you were just a person on the team, your level of organization may not be consumed with what everybody else is doing or moving in that direction. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, am I, 
leadership and healthcare class that I'm, I'm currently working on. Uh, I'm currently in that class and I'm working on this honors project for that class. Um, we have learned about different leadership styles. Yeah. Um, there's, and I'm, I know I mentioned it to the listeners before, um, but there is, uh, you can Google a leadership style questionnaire and we did one in class. You answer like 25 questions or something by circling some numbers. You add up the numbers and it says, okay, well, you're, you're like more of a democratic leader style. You're more of an administrative um, style or you're more of a, like a liaison fair kind of a style. Yeah. And um, so I haven't, I did a lot of research behind those because I scored really high in democratic and administrative. And I feel like um, that's kind of a combination of an organizational style what do you, is that? Am I am I um, understanding it correctly? Yeah, well, I think you are. Um, I, but I will say this: depending on where you're working. Mm-hmm. So you know, we talked a minute ago about businesses. Um, public business is going to be very different than academic. Um, in acad- in the academic realm, um, there's something called positive academic leadership mm-hmm. um, and shared governance, and those are. Just, very hot topics within academia. Mm-hmm. Um, people want to be heard, and so that would gear more towards your democratic sort of governance. Mm-hmm. And it has its pros and cons, just like more of an administrative that you would see in the corporate world would have its pros and cons as well. Um, it, sometimes it can be frustrating having seen both. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you're you're like okay, I know why we're doing it this way, but I really wish we could just do it this way. Um, So I don't don't know that one is better. I think the truly truly skilled leader will know in each instance what the person needs or what the group needs and be able to apply it. Because I don't think that one is always the best solution for every situation. So leaders, they need to have that foresight. I, I think they need to have that foresight. I think they may, and this speaks to organizational leadership. They need to know their group well enough to know if they can move through the task mm-hmm. um, in a democratic way, or if they need a very administrative approach where they're told explicitly what needs to happen. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. And I think, and, and I did speak about this in another session, but I think that um, we we form our, our leadership style um, by ways of how we've been led. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right? Yeah. Because, I mean, I've had some pretty fantastic leaders. I think I've always, uh, I started on softball field when I was four. Yeah. And I was a catcher for 15 years. Yeah. And, you know, you're out there and you're you're the one calling the shots. You're calling the plays, you're calling the shots, you're telling everybody, you know, you are the leader on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started very, very early with that. And I think, you know, and we would have moments where the team would need to come together and make a decision and, and stuff like that. And I feel like that's probably where the democratic stuff, because I scored really high in democratic side. I scored like a 29. I scored a 28 in administrative and like a 21 in, in the raison the there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I'm saying it wrong, right? That's okay. It's French. It is French. It is. Moving right there. along. We're just going to leave it there. <laughs> Y'all, I, you have to Google it. The style, but it just is what it um, so back to the aspect of organization, what do you think are the best practices for a leader to help them stay organized? So, I mean, there are going to be things that effective leaders do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll see a lot of people take notes and you'll see people, you know, use post-its. People ultimately find the things 
that they need to succeed. Executive functioning is something we'll talk about in education a lot, and it's tied very closely to some other psychological things. But um, executive functioning is how we get through our tasks and how we keep ourselves on task mm-hmm. in a very probably, if you're a psychologist out there, please don't judge me. <laughs> a very simplistic way to explain it. But um, so we develop these skills to keep ourselves on task, whether it's I put a reminder in my Outlook calendar right. or I set an alarm on my phone um, or it's I've written a post-it somewhere or whatever that is. Do you think it's OCD if somebody does all those things? No, I think it's great. Okay. <laughs> whatever because keeps me I will tell you, I will tell you that there are classes where I'm like, I need to use post-it notes. There are classes where I feel like I need to use index cards. There are classes where I need, I feel like I need loosely paper and not a notebook paper you know like not a spiral down yeah so my organization changes from needs need and so let's 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 grow off of that right i think she's going psychology on me right now okay i'm not not, not a psychologist but but let's let's move towards organizational leadership with that right so if you have a team and if you've given them a goal and you said okay You have the things, you have the tools you need, you have all these different things that you need to accomplish this goal. You have your autonomy, whatever you need to do. So remembering to check back in however you need to do and um, getting that deeper understanding of each each person to see what they need and how the group is in a plane and also mediating the group. Because I mean, when people get together and they're trying to do something, sometimes there's conflict, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to mediate that um, that's a step, right? That's an organization step in seeing that goal to the end. Right. Right. So you, you've got to pace yourself through that as well as the leader. Right. Right. Or the whatever manager. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. It's just called something different in, in, in different places. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think that an effective leader can be, whether, no matter what their style is, can be an organized leader, but unorganized in everyday life? I do. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I think sometimes we have different feelings about our home life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you go home and you, you take your shoes off and you relax and whatever you do when you get home. And it's it's a different environment. Right. So people feel differently a lot of times about their workspace than they do about their home space. Right. I'd say that's also the same for school. Right. You know, kids in school. It's yeah. the same idea. Yeah. Or adults. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, I'm way far from the kid. <laughs> um, okay, so I know we kind of touched on this, but let's let's just go specifically. Um, what are some strategies for helping maybe a new leader or someone who's interested in, in taking on a leadership role to um, to maybe help them get organized as a leader? So, if I were going into a situation with an existing team, and I were going to be a leader or maybe I'm building a new team, I would want to understand each person. Mm -hmm. And that means having a Mm one-on-one with each person, Mm -hmm. really coming to know what makes them tick, what's a little bit about their background, and of course their skill set, that's important, but like knowing how they like to be managed, um, all of those things. So I would have a one-on-one with every single person. Okay. Um, and then I would tell them, please, no, come back to me. You have problems. I'm here to help you. I'm here to help you grow. I'm here to help you reach that goal, whatever the goal we've assigned. Right. Um, 
And so that's the first step in being a new manager. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the best advice that I can give anyone. But really staying in tune with the needs of the group is important. Right. Um, also, clear communication. Do you know that has been, hey, that's so, you guys, my listener, you guys know, like every single person that has walked in here and talked about a specific aspect of leadership always goes back to communication. It's so important. It is next to knowing your team, the most, the kindest and most important thing you can do. Um, and, you know, communication goes both ways, mm-hmm. right? You have to be willing to listen to people to give. Sometimes it's positive and sometimes it's negative, but you have to have the courage to deliver it either way. So if person A is on my team and they've messed up, mm-hmm. I've got to be courageous enough to give that criticism. They have to be courageous enough to hear it. Mm-hmm. And then if they have criticism, criticism of me, mm-hmm. I also still have to be courageous enough to hear that. Right, right. So yeah. like, that sounds like kind of a, a personal challenge sometimes. Like, you, I mean, you know, I would like to think that I'm courageous in all manners mm-hmm. of speaking, but I'm not. You know, there are things that make me nervous. And, you know, I'm just a student. I've, I've, I've embedded myself a lot with a lot of people, but, you know, she's not just a student. she is just a student. <laughs> she's graduating. She won't be just a student for long, but she's she's a student. Um so I am not nervous about sitting down here with you and having this conversation, recording this episode. Uh, Dr. Dana Nichols follows you. I've never met her. She is our interim president. You've so never met her? You've never met her. I've never met her. Yeah. Unless I yeah. But you, I mean, at the same time, you know, uh, it's not that I'm not courageous, but I get a little overly anxious maybe or a little nervous about it. And I'm going to be fine. I can, I, you know, I've talked my way through these episodes. I know, I know I'll be fine, but I still have that little tinge of, I don't want to call it cowardness, but definitely maybe a little anxiety, maybe a little nerves maybe. So. Well, when we're talking about Persian related in relation to communication, I think it just has, I mean, everybody experiences those anxieties, right? Mm-hmm. With meeting new people or how you're going to be perceived. Right. But just knowing, I think, and accepting that, okay, you're going to make a mistake. I'm going to make a mistake and it's okay. Right. In schools, a lot of times, um, well, in education period at this point in time, we talk a lot about growth mindset. Mm -hmm. So um, the best thing I think you can do as an educator is mess up in front of your class. Nice. Because it it gives them an opportunity to see how you deal with that. Right. Um, if I'm in a class and I'm not prepared for something and somebody asks me a research question, it's not, it's not the time to freak out. It's right. the time to say, okay, I don't know, but let me show you how I look this up. Right. And so it becomes a teaching moment on a couple of levels. I've taught them a new skill. And then I've also taught them how to deal with this sort of, for lack of a better word, adversity or this, you know, this moment of uncertainty where you've not received criticism in what you did, but you're, you've been thrown for a loop. Right. right. So um, it's an important technique, being able to take criticism, being able to be thrown off and recovering from that. And it's a learning anyway. process for you also, because they've asked you a question that you don't know how to answer. And now you're learning whatever it is. I mean, maybe it's about water quality, yeah. you know, because I do that to her a lot. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's about a book or maybe, you know, it could be about anything. All right. So I've told you, I, I have a quick question. This is just off the cuff. Yeah. Do you use electronic calendar or a pencil calendar? 
So I've done both. Um, if I'm really being honest with you, right now I use electronic calendars. But um, I have I like to carry something with me. So a lot of times I will have a date calendar as well. I'm going to need you to mentor me in the electronic calendar thing because I'm not good at it. I can't. I'm great at setting alarms. I have yeah. about 17 alarms that go off every day. And I'm like, oh, I got to go there. I'm doing that now. Oh, I got to go there. I'm doing that now. Um, but I struggle to put things in my in my phone. I struggle to put them on the electronic. And I'm I'm a paper and pencil girl. You know that. I want a book. And you're not going to believe this. And we're just off the I finished so many equations because I was so trying to model them. That's okay. I, yeah, I totally cheated. That's not cheating. Here's so not cheating have you all. finished it? Um, I am almost done. Okay, so for anybody Stop. who doesn't know about the Soulmate Equation by Christine, no Christina Warren. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, that is our September read for 2021 in the book club. And if you've never uh, if you've never read it, you should probably check it out. Um, but you know, for future to come, but it's really good. And I totally always read a book and I totally didn't. I listened to it on Audible. It was really good. I finished it in two days. It's not cheating at all, but you should tell them that our October book. Yes. Our October book is going to be Stardust yeah. by Neil Gaiman. Yeah. I'm very excited about that yeah. because I don't know. And I know, I know it's a, I know it's been made into a movie, um, but I've never read the book. And this is how I approach the book club. Not that this podcast is about the book club. <laughs> But when you give me something to read, when you give me an idea of something to read, I don't look at the jacket. Yeah. I don't read anything before. I start at the preface and I work my way through. I don't read any of the stuff. So I don't I have no idea what's coming. Completely surprised. Completely surprised. Good. That's how I didn't finish the first book, Cats. <laughs> so I didn't read the jacket. <laughs> so it's good and bad. <laughs> so... Let me just ask, if you, okay, so we talked about me and my leadership style and what I sport in. I am a self-proclaimed democratic leader. Right. That's my style. I like for everybody to be involved. I like to hear voices. I don't, I'm not saying that we're going your way. I'm saying I want your feedback and I want to form my, my ways over that um, with your feedback. So what would you, what would you say that your organizational, I mean, I'm sorry, but what would you say, stop. What would you say is your leadership style? So using those three as an example, I'd say I'm I'm probably higher administrative, but with democratic tendencies. Okay. I like to hear what people have to say and understand why they feel that way, but then also communicate to them why I feel the way I do and why I think it's best if it is best. Right. Um, I'd also add to that that I'm probably... I am definitely an organizational leadership person. I like to know what makes you tick and I like to move the group because we all believe in the same mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd also say I'm a servant leader. Right. So I believe in the team mentality and I'm going to be a team member who is doing, willing to do or doing the same thing you're doing. Mm-hmm. If I'm not willing to do it, I'm not going to ask you to do it. Y'all, she reads the same books we do. <laughs> I'm just saying, she doesn't, she doesn't ask me to read anything she hasn't read. That's right. So, okay. Any any last advice for any upcoming leaders, whether it's about organization, organizational style, leadership, uh, leadership in general, anything that you could say to an upcoming leader or someone who might want to get into a role of leadership? Communication. Communication. Clear. 
be courageous. You know, we had Coach Nene who came in and did a communication piece with us. Mm-hmm. It's really good. You'll really like it. She was fun. Can't wait to hear it. So uh, for everybody listening, this is our humble librarian, yes. Jessica Osborne. She's advisor and giver of life to the book club and Carsville Campus. <laughs> Um, she's, you know, she's, she's so experienced. She's, you know, demonstrated a history of working in the education management and library industry, strong education, professionally skilled in data management, educational technology, public speaking, grant writing, customer service. There's so many things to say. I appreciate you taking your time out of the middle of your Thursday and coming and talk to me. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you.